Philo community, welcome to another episode of the Philo podcast. Our goal here is to help you become more effective as a technical artist and as a human so that your church can become more effective at accomplishing its mission. And we do that through the podcast, through our book, I Love Jesus, But I Hate Christmas, our coaching cohorts, one-on-one coaching, and the Philo Conference, which is coming up in less than two months. The good news for you is there are still two weeks before the price goes up. Our tickets are changing price on April 5th, so make sure to get your early bird tickets before that day. And because you listen to this podcast, you can use the code PODCAST10, that's uh, podcast all caps and the number 10, and you can receive 10% off of your tickets, whether that's in person, online, group tickets, whatever, all the tickets, 10% off. So make sure you use that code. This week, I've been working with a group that provides support for local firefighters and other first responders. I've been doing the production work with them. And I've been noticing two things. One of them is that they're a group that also uses the term Philo. And that's something that those of us who serve in production, the local church can identify with. I think that first responders probably have a stronger claim to the title than you and I. Anyway, the other thing is that I've been really impressed by how much connection matters relationships with others, not feeling alone, community. And that's something that doesn't apply to just first responders. They spent a lot of time just listening to each other and getting to know each other and talking about issues that matter. But the thing that struck me is that community is something that we all need. Connection with our families, with our teams, with each other. And hearing the firefighters talk about being intentional with relationships at the firehouse really resonated with me. And it wasn't automatic for them, just like it isn't automatic for us. They struggle with working too many hours, just like we do. They carry stress home from work. And while not totally the same kind of stress, so do we. The struggles that we face as technical artists in the local church are unique on so many levels, but at a macro level, they're really human struggles. And everyone has their own version of stress and overwork and loneliness and being misunderstood. There's someone on your team or a coworker or a boss or in your family that's struggling with something. And so often, It's easy to get wrapped up in my problems and not even notice that those around me might be hurting. And tied in with that, I'm leading a coaching cohort and our homework this week was to encourage someone on our team with a handwritten note to say that you noticed the hard work they were doing or that you're praying for them or to offer to be a support in any way. Even to acknowledge that life can be tough is a huge bridge builder in any relationship. And I wanna encourage everyone listening Yeah, to go out of your way to notice someone in your sphere and encourage them specifically. If we all want it, and I know I do, to be encouraged, then the people around us are craving it as well. And this isn't directly related to our guest today, but we definitely dug into the struggles that we all have as humans to know when it's time to dig in in a given situation or to bail. And I got the chance to sit down with Clay Scroggins, a former teaching pastor at North Point Community Church, author of the book's How to Lead When You're Not in Charge, How to Lead in a World of Distraction, and his newly released book, The Aspiring Leader's Guide to the Future. And most importantly, he's going to be one of our main session speakers at this year's Philo Conference. And in our conversation, we went really deep into a rabbit hole of how to know if it's time to leave your role at church or to keep going. And so let's just get right into it. Hey, Clay. Hey, Todd. Thanks for having me. So glad yeah. to be on here. When I saw that that you named it Philo, I was like, oh, I'm going to dig this guy because <laughs> I, either that or I'm going to be incredibly intimidated because <laughs> when I took, the first time I was introduced to that concept was taking entry-level computer science at Georgia sure. Tech, okay. which was a complete <laughs> beat down to me, <laughs> yeah. but 
That was where I first learned the first in, last out concept, which I, I yeah. assume that's what Philo, that's what you're using it as? Yes, first in, last out. We're not using it so much in accounting terms or even in uh, supply and demand, but mm-hmm. yeah, for the tech person who turns the lights on and turns them off. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's well said. So, yeah, thank you. I'm so excited about the conference. I had some friends who were you know, production people that I worked with for a long time. They were like, whoa, you're going to be at this conference. And I was like, how do you know about that? And they were like, we went every year. You don't remember that? And I was like, I'm sorry. I don't yeah. remember, but now that makes sense. I remember when you would go to that conference. I didn't put it together that that was it. But yeah, I love production people. I feel so grateful for them. Right now, they are uh, in high demand. Yes, yeah. COVID has definitely... I was talking to somebody yesterday at a church in Australia, actually, I was asking him how his relationship with the senior pastor was. He was like, for a year, it was him and me doing the services, just the two of us. So like we got to know each other real well. It's been good and also a lot of work. So yeah, a lot of Mm -hmm. tired tech people out there, but Mm -hmm. yeah. Anyway, I would love to uh, maybe have have you introduce yourself, what you're doing and how you got there. Like maybe your story of how you ended up where you are, just as a kind of a basis for our conversation. Sure. I grew up, born in Florida, grew up in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, which is, uh, yeah, I know, exactly. War Eagle, I got to say. I didn't throw that out (laughs) when we were were getting to know each other earlier. Yeah, I grew up, I mean, I I went to high school right across the street from the University of Alabama. My parents, family, they're all big Alabama people. But I moved to Atlanta to go to Georgia Institute of Technology. Right. Uh, You and I share the same major. I studied industrial (laughs) and systems engineering, like you as well. Yeah. The founder of Peloton was an industrial engineer from Georgia Tech. Oh, wow. A Tim Cook. uh, Uh, Oh, one up. Went to to Auburn, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And he still goes back pretty regularly. I see, it feels like about once a year I see him doing something Yeah, he's back there, yeah. That's cool. I love that. Yeah, in college... I quickly learned I am not cut out to be an engineer. I, I loved that I made in it, but I just was, it was not for me. I struggled yeah. to get through, honestly. Same. And <laughs> had two experiences that really taught me that. One, I co opted Accenture and worked in supply chain. And I just, I, I liked it. I just didn't feel great at it. And then yeah. the second thing that happened is I read Jack Welch's book his book straight from the gut. Okay. Former CEO of GE. I love it. I read yeah. it over a Christmas break and I remember reading it and somewhere in the middle of the book, I thought if this is what it takes to succeed uh, in corporate America and in the technical, I mean, the, what they do, a lot of what they do is engineering and has a lot of technical aspects to it. I just thought I am not, I don't have it. I don't have yeah, it. Yeah. whatever that is. So I, the whole time, though, I was getting involved with our church. I was a high school small group leader okay. in North Point Community Church, which is about 20 miles north of Atlanta, and just loved it. So I made the decision to go to seminary, went to graduate school in Dallas, Texas, met my wife there, which okay. is uh, the best thing that happened to me while I was there, <laughs> and then moved back to Atlanta. To, for me, we got married and then moved to Atlanta, and I started working in student ministry. I spent five years uh, as a student pastor at a couple different campuses. And then for the next decade, I was a campus pastor at oh, wow. three okay. of our campuses. So the one that's the furthest out, it's you're 45 miles away from Atlanta. It's about uh-huh. as far as you can go and still say you're in Atlanta. Okay. But it's really in the foothills of the North Georgia mountains. It's really, 
It's about Tennessee, basically. I worked there for four years, and then I, I moved to our original campus called North Point Community Church in uh-huh. Alpharetta. Did that for four years, and then moved to Buckhead Church, where okay. I most recently was. And then six months ago, I made that big, dumb, crazy, scary, <laughs> exhilarating <laughs> decision to resign. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yes, Which I am familiar. You all about. I'm familiar, yeah. Let me ask you this. Did you have a plan or did you just resign? Yeah, that was a big struggle because I had counseled people and coached people and encouraged people. Now, listen, you don't want to run from something. You want to run to something. <laughs> but yeah, I had gotten to the point where I was like, I think I have learned all that I can learn. I think that I have grown a lot here. I had a lot that I needed to grow, Mm -hmm. love our church, love the leadership. But I just got to the point where I was like, I think as great as this job is, it's not right for me any longer. And so I resigned with no real plan, Uh (laughs) which made it feel like I was running from something because I didn't have, I didn't feel like I was running from, it wasn't like I was mad or angry or upset. Sure, right. But I resigned and I didn't have anything I was running to. So it definitely right. felt more like I was running from than running yeah. to. And uh, yeah, so I had to put it together. I had to put together the plan. So now I'm, sure. I, I've written these leadership books, which has given me a lot of great opportunities to speak on leadership. And sure. um, that's, I'm preaching on the weekends and then speaking okay. uh, to organizations and teams and about leadership development. Sure, yeah. What was your story? What, what were you uh, going, what was the plan when you resigned? Yeah, I had no plan. The plan was <laughs> that very similar to you, like specifically to my story, I woke up one morning and was like, I don't want to go to work. And that's not like me. So I like, it just mm-hmm. caused me to dig in. What is this about? What's going on? And yeah, just feeling like it wasn't a fit anymore. And it wasn't very similar, not bad people, not bad organization. Just like, I just don't, if I worked for me, I'd be like, when is that guy going to figure out it's time to be done? Wow. And yeah, I just, I was like, okay, I think it's just time to go. And naively, I just felt like maybe something would come along. (laughs) So I resigned, I announced my resignation maybe at the end of May and then stayed on through August. Uh, I stayed through the leadership summit, which was a, you know, big part of my job. And then, yeah, still nothing came along. And actually, at that leadership uh, summit was my last one. I was just telling this to someone the other day. The last session, so I'm usually running around and you know what an event's like, very busy. And so I don't normally sit down and listen to anybody. I'm busy on to the next Mm -hmm. thing. The last session of my last summit, as I could foresee it, I thought, okay, I'm just going to sit and listen uh, to the Mm -hmm. last talk. And it was Louis Mm -hmm. Giglio. And he was talking about climbing the Matterhorn. Mm And I have no idea how to climb a mountain, but I know how to take the next step in front of me. And just that, through that talk, I was like, you know what? This idea of Philo is something that is in me, something I've been about and doing. And I don't really know how to get to the, if it is even a mountaintop, I I don't know how to get there, but I do, there are a couple of things I can see right in front of me to take the step. And Mm -hmm. yeah, from there, just started taking those little steps. Todd, I I have just learned your name recently because of the conference, but- Honestly, talking to our production guys now and them telling me more about the conference and now realizing, oh, that's where they were going uh-huh. one time a year, <laughs> all those times. Yeah. I'm so grateful for what you do. And listening to them talk about it, 
It is just, uh, it was really cool. They feel so grateful Mm. for the community you've created, the way you care for production Mm. people, but the way you've created a space for them to learn about leadership, to connect with each other, to keep them refreshed around ministry. That was one of the things they talked about that I just thought that's, I think that's really tremendous. So on behalf of all those production people from our church that went, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, I, th- I feel like uh, there's not a whole lot out there targeted to us uh, and this audience. And so if we can help people feel refreshed and excited about their next season in ministry, that's, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, you can learn how to wrap a cable from YouTube to reconnect your heart to Jesus and his plan for you. That's something that, you know, yeah, uh, that can happen on YouTube. So trying to create those spaces. I don't think it can. Maybe I'm missing something, but... It's much harder to happen. Easier to learn the cable. Yeah, right. Yeah, so around here, the leave, quit your job with no plan, that's called the Todd Elliott. It's, yeah. So I've had a few friends do this. Todd Elliott. Yeah, (laughs) I've had a few other friends uh, do the same. They call me up, hey, guess what I did? Todd Elliott. Yeah. Oh, that's, I wouldn't recommend <laughs> I, my kids were in high school. Like my son, Whoa. oldest son was going to be graduating high school. I'm like, this is the worst time to be doing this, but yeah, God had a plan. Yeah. I, if I can just talk for a second about yeah. what, what, what are we calling it in America right now? The great uh, resignation. resignation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The great reconsideration, the great <laughs> realization. We have yeah. all these names for it. Clearly we've all been sitting around for, we haven't just been sitting around, but we have had some time over the last couple of years to ask all those existential questions of, you know, what am I here for and what am I doing? Am I doing what I want to be doing? Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Right. right. And, and then the, the hybrid, uh, although most people listening to this podcast are probably the least hybrid, you know, you your listeners yeah, have been yeah. the ones in the building from, you know, the moment that <laughs> the government said it was okay to do that or public yeah. health officials said it was okay to do that. But I, I know, I, I guess what I'm so passionate about when it comes to people that are feeling that is mm. the emotional duress that wrestling with your job creates can be exhausting. Mm. Oh, yeah. And I have found that, or at least my my what I learned going through it was God was trying to teach me something about myself Mm-hmm. And I was trying to get an answer to the question, should I stay or should I go? Right, right. And yeah. God was going, no, I have something I'm trying to teach you about trusting me, about oh, listening geez. to me, about listening to your friends, <clears throat> about understanding more of what I've put in you, understanding work. I feel like I have a much uh, healthier perspective on work because of going through that season. Yeah. And I just, I would encourage anybody who's going through that to invite other people to be a part of the process to really ask God, hey, what do you want me to learn? If I don't get an answer to the question, should I stay or should I go, which I hope you do, but mm-hmm. until I do, would you help me learn all the things that I'm supposed to learn? Because it was just a, it was a grueling season for me. It was a heavy season, yeah. um, but it was such a fruitful season in regard to my own relationship with God and my own character development. Yeah, I would say there have been probably more than this, but three moments in my life that I can point to right now that was a question of staying or leaving. And in each instance, it was less about which one of those things should I do. And it was more about, if I asked you to leave everything and follow me, would you? Mm. That has nothing to do with staying or going. I mean, it might, Mm -hmm. eventually it might be like, okay, I'm gonna follow you to this place. But it was more about, am I willing, was the question I needed to answer. The second time was about what's my next big thing, God? And he was putting in front of me, here's a little thing. Will you do it? 
Mm. And so just like a series of those that I'm like, I'm not even willing to do the small thing, let alone like, why would he trust me with the big thing? And then this last time was more, do you trust me Mm, mm. to handle it, to be able to do whatever your dream is without this job? And that was another thing. Like my first gut reaction was, no, I don't. So Mm. then it became a wrestling match of just that. So staying or leaving was not the real question. So yeah, I Mm. totally resonate with what you're saying that it's usually something else uh, to answer. One of the things I did the first month I was done Everybody kept saying, are you going to take some time off? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm quitting my job and I don't have a job. <laughs> tell, tell me more about what yeah, taking yeah. time off means to you yeah. because I feel like I am totally taking time off time from off. a paycheck. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I had that month and I, I was obviously meeting with a lot of people just trying to figure out what I was going to do next. But I gave myself, I was like, all right, I'm going to work on, I'm going to pick a project and I'm going to work on it. I'm just going to make myself try to complete it by the end of the month. Okay. So one of the projects that I worked on was creating a resource called Should I Stay or Should I Go? Uh It's a four-hour audio download. I interviewed four people. I interviewed someone who had recently left a job. I interviewed someone who had stayed in their job for a long time. I interviewed somebody who had gotten laid off from their job and had to figure out what's next. And then I interviewed a therapist, which was the best part because I felt like, oh, this is actually for me. (laughs) Good for you, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But if if you go to stayorgo.work, you can find that resource there. It's It's one of those that... I, I don't know what your relationship is like. Those of you that are listening, I don't know what your relationship is like with your boss, but it might be one of those that you want to tell your boss you're listening to, and it might be one of those you don't want to tell your boss to listen to. But <laughs> I, I, I say in the very beginning of it, hey, the goal is not to get you to leave your job. The goal is not to get you to stay in your job because exactly what you shared, Todd, there's so much more that you learn when you're going through this, and that's my hope is what right. can I do if there's anything I can do to help people unpack, unearth, dig in to find those things that God wants to teach them in the middle of the stay or go journey, that's, that would just be a total delight for me. Sure, so, yeah. Anyway. That's so good. There's so much to just the, the whole idea of staying too long or leaving too early. Is it because we're scared to be in the moment or present or trust God with the, what tomorrow looks like that makes us knee jerk one way or the other? I think you're absolutely right because yeah. I think a lot of times people jump on a train and they call somebody calls and gives them an offer and they think oh if I don't say yes to this I'm, another one's not going to come. Yeah. And so it's there's a lack of trust there maybe or and then sometimes yeah we stay too long because we're afraid. We're yeah. well, the, the burden of hand is worth two the burden of hand is worth more than two in the bush. <laughs> yeah, That's right. right. Yeah, yeah. You know that I I know I'm not thriving right now, but it's okay. I don't know what right, it's going right. to be like on the other side. So I know I, the problems I have right now. I don't know the problems right. that are out there. That's right. Yeah. So Todd, it was uh, the interesting part of this whole deal for me was I I it, the, the thing had stayed totally neutral, which was my goal. I was like, okay. I'm not trying to. Can this isn't like a national quit your day, quit your job day. (laughs) Until at the very end, when I interviewed this therapist, and she does mostly relationship, marriage, family counseling in Atlanta. And we refer to her a lot at North Point and Buckhead Church. And I've just built a relationship with her over, a friendship with her over the years, because we've done a lot of, uh, she's spoken to our staff and done stuff like that. So I said, in the middle of the interview, I said, Maisie, I I meant to ask you this at the very beginning, but do, do you talk to people about work a lot? I know that's not your specialty. And she was uh-huh. like, it comes up almost every session. 
Right. She was like, work is obviously it's such a big deal to people. Of course sure. it comes up. They'll come and talk to me about their broken marriage, or whatever, but work will naturally come up. And I said, well, what do you, what's your general thing you tell people? And she said, oh, I tell people if they're thinking about leaving, they should leave. That's interesting. Like, wow. Wait, what? I was like, I'm trying it's to keep this easy? thing really neutral. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, and you, that is not neutral. But what she said, she said, no, I'm not saying if you've been there six months and you're thinking about leaving. I'm just saying if you've been there a little while and, mm-hmm. and you don't have this habit of just bouncing from job to job, she said, I have never had someone that I have counseled through this who left and regretted leaving. Oh, wow. She said, if it's not great right now, how bad does it have to get? for you to leave and go do something different. She said, plus the human brain is wired to thrive with change. That There's something oh, good about change that you actually need. And so you just, the, all the fear that keeps us staying, if you can get over that and take that leap, it will probably be something that will teach you something significant, something that you'll learn. So Interesting. that was the, my most favorite part. And it was probably <laughs> yeah. the part that least aligned with what I was trying yeah. to do. In it. <laughs> now, do you think that there's a difference between somebody leaving a corporate job or decide, should I stay or should I go versus somebody who's in ministry? Gosh, that's where, that's been my struggle. Yeah, because I think I just, for me, I'm a very loyal person. I'm a responsible person. I want to stick it out. I don't want to let the team down. And that's what keeps me there too long. Um, Because if I leave, I'm letting everyone down. And so I just don't even let it come into my mind. Plus, it's eternal people's eternities at stake and all this. And will they be able to do it without me? And I've just... Yeah, I don't know. There might be data out there. Just do people that are accountants for an accounting firm feel that? Yeah, maybe to some degree. I think some of the stuff you talked about, the loyalty, the I'm a dependable person. I don't want to leave them high and dry. Certainly some of that's just human instinct. There's a form of that, I think, that the brokenness in that is a form of self-love. It's a form of uh, making myself feel important Uh that is hard, you know, I mean, you know how this works. And I'm sure, I don't, I'm, I'm sure when you left Todd, they started a petition, sent it around and said, <laughs> everybody sign this. There's no way we're going to let him do this. But when I left, I couldn't believe, I mean, the HR person called me and, and she's wonderful. I mean, I worked with her for years. I've had some of the most difficult conversations about employees right, and her sure. and I, we have been in it together. Yeah. And so she calls me and, she, and, and of course I know what it's about, you know, and she's like, oh my gosh, I heard the news. I'm devastated. What in the world? What's going on? So we had like a four minute conversation okay. <laughs> and then she was like, well, I'm going to send you the paperwork of the stuff you got to do and what you got to sign. And I just am so grateful for you. We're just going to miss you. Uh-huh. And then- that was it. And I got off the phone and I was all depressed and stuff. And my wife <laughs> yeah. was like, what, what's wrong? And I was like, I don't know. That just didn't go like I thought. And she was like, what did you think was going to happen? I was like, I just didn't think it was going to be, I just thought she was going to be like, nope, I'm putting my foot down. We're not doing this. Like I'm not letting <laughs> yeah. this happen. And, and she was like, they're going to move on. You know that, right? They're going right. to move on. And I'm, they just do. I mean, we've all yeah. seen people that you leave and then the earth just fills in around you. I mean, you just move right, right on. And the other hardest part is you always think, well, they'll call me if they have any problems right. or whatever. <laughs> they never call. They oh never gosh. call. And I never called. I never oh, yeah. called. So it was helpful because I, I made sure. I was like, I'm not going to get offended when they don't call me. Uh-huh. But certainly they haven't <laughs> I'm called me. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, why yeah. have you guys called me? <laughs> I was at least going to tell you I hid some stuff and I'll, I'll help you find it if you find it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I do think the the ministry part definitely 
that's the outlying variable that makes it has to make it a little bit different. Right. That would be easier to leave the accounting job. And, and I, that just gets all tricky. I don't know. Yeah, I think too, just the idea of leaving, when I look back at the places I've left and thought they would be uh, calling me, yeah, same as you, just like, what are we going to do with, about this without you mm -hmm, here, mm -hmm. which they never did. Yeah, and I was really hoping that, you know, I gave the leaders that were following behind me some room and hey, I'm here as a consultant and I was never consulted. I uh, will say the production people that leave in our world we're pretty quick to contract them back. I feel like right. that's one of the good things about being a production person is you have this, this tangible skill that the thing cannot operate without. Right, and right. I don't know, do, do you still contract with some of the places that you I do, yeah. With? I think I contracted back at Willow Creek just a few weeks after I left because they knew oh, I was available. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, yeah. yeah. Should you stay or should you go? It's such a great, it feels like a question I, or a conversation I have a lot with people. And on one hand, I feel sad that it's a conversation that happens because I would much rather people go the distance in ministry. But I also know that there's a time for everything under heaven. It's not always a time to stay. And that's okay. I definitely, I, if somebody would have asked me before, what's your view of calling and what's your view of ministry and what's your view of work? I would say, most people would say that there's no sacred, sac secular divide that everything we do is ministry and yeah. the person that's going to work today at Cisco to sell whatever that person is just as much in ministry and should view their job as ministry and should love the people that they're with and try to introduce them to Jesus but I found it in me I found it deep buried in there somewhere mm -hmm. that if I don't go work at a church I am abandoning my calling or I am disobeying God or doing something right. wrong which I don't actually believe. I know that's not sure. true, but I yeah. have discovered it inside of me. So that's been really difficult to try to wrestle that to the ground and go, where is that coming from? Why did I tell myself I didn't believe that when I'm finding that I do actually believe that, even though I know it's not true? Right. That's been a really important process for me because just last week I was speaking to an organization that does, uh, they're in the restaurant industry and they've mm -hmm. got, they've got the, a couple of the best restaurants in Charleston. South okay. Carolina, uh -huh. and they had a customer die the weekend before at the bar, oh, and wow. it was a tragic, awful situation, and the guy called me about it, and I had the opportunity to pray with him and pray with some people on his team, and it was that was a huge moment for me because it, it was, I, I felt like it was God saying, hey, there is ministry to be done everywhere, yeah. right, and right. some of it happens on Sunday at church. Right. And a lot of it happens during the week. Right, And right. what you're doing during the week, I want you to honor me with it. And I want you to love people no matter what you're doing. That's been a real crucial part of this whole journey for me. Yeah. And I think just hearing you say that when I decided to not go into industrial engineering, but to work at a church, which turned out to be very industrial engineering-like. <laughs> yeah, uh, more yeah, so than mine. Supply chain and yeah, transportation. Purchasing. And yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I was happy to not renew my commercial driver's license when I moved to Illinois. <laughs> like I don't ever no want to drive another semi truck again. I'm fine. Anyway, my dad used to sit me down uh, about once every six months. And usually uh, it seemed like it always got dark out when we were having the conversations and there were no lights on in the house, you know, so it's the conversation started in the daylight and then pretty soon it was pitch black in the room, but we didn't turn mm -hmm. any lights on. 
Uh, we're having this hard conversation about him saying, when are you going to get a real job? When are you going to dump the church thing and get a job like n- normal people? And I can remember it was, it was such a great, those were great conversations for me because they really solidified like what I wanted to be about. And at the time it was very much like, I want to love every day of work. I want to go to work mm. and love it. I don't want to go to work so I can pay for the two days on the weekend that I actually love, which was what he was I don't know, he was not implying that, but that's how I took it. Yep. And now that I'm older, probably I'm almost the same age he was when I had that conversation mm, that, with him. Yeah, that's a, that's Ooh, a weird ouch. realization. Yeah, and yeah. I'm so, uh, I have, I think I've done a 180 on that perspective that you, mm. there's mm. more to life than working at a church and that there are, mm. like you said, there's ministry opportunities everywhere. But I also think that working at a church, I'll just speak for myself as a production person, it's so easy to abdicate your responsibilities as a Christian because, yes. hey, I'm doing my time at the church and mm-hmm. this counts. Even though I'm grumpy, I'm the fruits of the spirit are the opposite coming mm-hmm. out of me. And but that's mm-hmm. okay because I'm it's ministry, I'm doing the church thing. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think so much of it is about yeah, being present with Jesus every day. It doesn't matter what your job yeah, is. Yeah, wherever you are. Yeah. Exactly. I have as much trouble with it as anybody, yeah. I I feel like I need to throw out disclaimer. We still love the church. We still yeah, go yeah. to our church. Uh-huh. I, I preach a lot on the weekends, and so I have found it. It's been an incredibly joyful season to go see other churches. And then when I'm back in, when I'm in town on a Sunday, I'm wearing our children's ministry shirt, serving <laughs> as a greeter with yeah. my wife in our kids' ministry. So yeah, right. um, we love our church, and our our kids are at the age where. It didn't matter what was happening in my job. We were so committed to staying plugged into our church because of the spiritual investment that so many of our volunteers were making on our kids. Sure, it's just, right, I, right. I don't know how parents raise their kids without partnering with a local church because it's sure. just been so phenomenal for us. Huh. I, do, I do love the local church still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were talking about it before we started recording. Like, I still go to Willow Creek Church. I'm actually in a couple small groups, which is really surprising to me. How about that? <laughs> yeah. You're and, actually uh, in a group. Two. I'm in two groups. I'm like, how did my wife talk me into two groups? One seemed like enough, but just, and it's so much fun to be connected uh, to the church in a new way, different way. Mm-hmm. Before my small group was my coworkers and the people around me. And now it's, mm-hmm. yeah, people at the church and yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I know this, we probably pretty much talked our entire episode length on a topic we did not plan to talk about. It's so relevant right now. Like you mentioned, I've had so many conversations with people too. Now, now granted, I think once you leave a job, you know, you, you mentioned that they call it the Todd Elliott when they leave with no plan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I would imagine people who are thinking about this naturally gravitate toward you. I, I, I get that text or call about, once every other week or so from okay, somebody going, wow. hey, can we chat? And of course, when I see it, I'm like, oh, I know what this is about because they're like, so tell me what it was like for you. you <laughs> right. know? How do I know? Um, yeah, exactly. How <laughs> do I know? How do I know? Gosh, that's a great question too. How do I know? My, my yeah. answer to how do I know is I, I don't know. I am not, I feel like I am a confident person in the sense that I believe in what God says about me, but I am not always a confident decision maker. And okay. so I've even questioned this decision. I've had sure. numerous moments and, and, and I've loved the season, but I still don't, I don't know that I'll ever feel 100% certain. Yeah. Um, but at least that, that's a lot of that's just my wiring and the way sure. I'm, the way I'm 
yeah, the way our yeah. temperament is. Sure. I know uh, for me, there are days that I don't know that I question, should I have gone or not? I think it was the right time and just, it was good. Good for me, good for the team left behind, good for my family. But there are days that I'm just like, this is way too hard being in business for yourself and you're living that life a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I stop and think and I'm like, okay, what would I do if I wasn't doing this? What would I do instead? And I would, there were maybe six months would go by where I'd be like really glad for the pressure to be off. And then I would just jump right back into it. I, I mm -hmm. think I would find myself doing and it's, I think all these decision points of should I stay or should I go, bringing up other questions, do you trust me? Uh, will you follow me? Yeah, it's been really great to just strung together my story with Jesus that to see his faithfulness over time. And yeah, I, I don't ever wanna have to wrestle, <laughs> but I know that there's so much good that comes from it. Just the yes, awareness right. of who is God calling me to be? Who's he, mm. what is he calling me to do right now? And so I think I love the question of should I stay or should I go? Yeah, ask the question because I think it's going to lead to another question to be answered. I totally agree. Yeah. Would you have said before I am the kind of person that is that likes risk enough to work for myself? <laughs> no way. I had no, no idea what I was in for. I just I didn't know Again, because I had no plan, I didn't know that's what I was really doing. I was becoming my own boss kind of a thing. And I actually love it, but I had no concept of it or was not prepared for it or it's so different. You even said your concept of work has changed. Like I have so many light bulbs went on for me as a person to in some ways revealed faulty thinking that I had while I was mm -hmm. on staff at a church. Mm -hmm. I don't wanna say entitlement, but like my feelings mattered more than they probably should have. Mm. You know, it's like, oh, nobody's considering me and what I think and my feelings and all this. And then you become somebody in business for yourself or a contractor, you're like, I'm just here to do great work. I, I don't, my feelings don't matter. And that was so revelatory for me. Oh, mm. this would have been probably a healthier way of looking at this while I was on staff still. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the things I'm excited about talking about at the conference is the book that I wrote called How to Lead When You're Not in Charge. Yeah. I'm excited about getting to talk to your audience. I feel really grateful that you would ask me. But that when I was in the middle of leaving, I had so many, not so many, but I had a handful of friends <laughs> that texted me and said, oh, your next book needs to be How to Leave When You're Not in Charge. <laughs> ha, 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 ha. <laughs> So I jokingly put that on my Insta, on my story one day of, <laughs> hey, here's my next book title. And I did have so many people that texted me, or I probably had a handful of people that texted me and were like, oh, you're kidding. That's frustrating. <laughs> I was really hoping that's what you were going to do because yeah. I am in the middle of leaving something or I'm in transition. I'm trying to figure right. out what do I need to know and what do I need to learn and how do I do this really well? One of the things that one of my bosses told me in the middle of me leaving is he said, hey, I, I was trying to figure out like what to do with my emotions about, it felt like I was happening quick and it feels like it's, they're just moving on without me and all mm -hmm. that and it was bothering me. And he said, hey, listen, I know that might be frustrating, but I think you need to just focus on leaving really well. He said, in fact, you need to leave like you're coming back. Oh, wow. And that was huge for me. Right. Because that, I mean, that changes everything when you're like, okay, you know, Antonio Brown, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers wide receiver, he 
you know, quit in the middle of the game and took his jersey off and threw it in the stands and was like, I'm out of here. He's not coming back. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think they're calling him to say, hey, you want to come back? I think he left. Certainly he left like he was not coming back. And I think he left in such a way that he he definitely would not get the opportunity to come back. But I didn't have a lot of ill will. And so obviously things weren't as great as I wanted them to be at the very end. If they were, I probably would have stayed. But it was not. It was as much my fault is anybody else's fault. So I just, it would have been easy for me to get all in my feelings and emotions about it and get all frustrated. But I just really decided, you know what? I do, I could see a day where I would go back. And it Uh sounds like you're still going to Willow. That's pretty rare. That that doesn't happen much where people leave a church and they end up still going to the church. And it sounds like you could probably go back too. And I would like to think that my relationships are in such a place that I could go back And who knows? Who knows what will happen? But I'm I'm so glad that he gave me that piece of advice. It is such great advice. Whether you actually will go back or want to go back or any of that stuff, leaving well, I cannot tell you. So I've left two places. I was at a church in Michigan that I left, come to Willow Creek and then Willow Creek. And in both places, yeah, I left so I still go out and have breakfast with the senior pastor of the church in Michigan all these years later. And even if you're, even if it's, tough or you're, you don't love it there. Yeah. Leave with grace because I, it doesn't hurt you in any way to leave. Well, it only helps you. That is exactly right. That is really well said. It will only help you. Especially if you're looking for a new job and you're like, people are going to call your old church for a reference. Yeah. If you didn't leave well, guess what? Not a good reference. Uh, not a good <laughs> reference. And, and, you know, that, but at the same time, you mentioned, Todd, the, what to do with your feelings and emotions. I have found, I mean, I do think it's important to process what you are experiencing. So it's right. not to say you just stuff it and ignore it and just, oh, sure. you dare not say anything negative and you better. Right, I mean, right. it's been good for me to have outlets to be able to talk about the things that were frustrating to me. Yeah, yeah. The things that I wished were different as much as possible to be able to honor the place that I feel like is still my church and right. the place that has done so much good in my own life and is still right. doing so much good. It was just better to honor and yet still be able to, what I've had to process is just grief. I just have right. had so many moments where I've just felt genuine sadness. Right. The week I resigned, we had to give our dog away. Our dog bit an Amazon worker, which my wife was like, I can't do this. I've got five kids. I can't be worrying about the dog biting the Amazon worker. She's honestly, I've even thought maybe I should just order less on Amazon. And I'm like, you know what? Hang on a second. I don't think we ought to take that off the table. Let's at (laughs) least like leave that as an option. We might, but anyway. (laughs) So in the middle of all that, we decided, you know, I think the best thing is to, we we found a a single gal in her twenties who was, it was probably going to be a better situation for our dog. Our our house is not quiet and our dog probably needed a more stable, quiet atmosphere. So the day we gave our dog away, I think I sobbed in our bed from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m., oh, just so sad. And I wouldn't even have really considered myself a dog person. Okay. And <laughs> my wife, at about 9 o'clock, she comes over, because, like, you know, 7.30, she's like, and then she's putting the kids to bed. Right, and she's yeah. like, Dad's, like, in his emotions, you know? <laughs> and then at, like, 8, she's like, are you okay? And then at, like, 9, she comes back in, and she was like, hey. Should um, I call somebody? <laughs> yeah, she's like... I just, I, I, I'm sure you know this, but I don't think this is just about the dog. <laughs> and I'm like, 
okay, I don't really need to hear that right now, but <laughs> you're totally right. This is not all about the dog. But it was just grief. It was just sadness. I just yeah. felt overwhelming sadness that I was leaving a place that I love so much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what, what were your emotions that you yeah, had Yeah, I think, I think mine, yeah, the two different places, two di- very different types of emotions. But the I would say in both cases, sadness was probably the dominant emotion for different reasons. I mean, I think the, what is it people say, you know, ministry would be great if it weren't for the people. <laughs> that, you know, just when I was leaving Willow Creek, I could see how it could be. And it just wasn't and probably never would be. And it wasn't, again, not bad people or bad situation or whatever. It was just like, this is never going to fall into place the way I can see it. And so I'm just sad about it. And I think too, and I imagine this is probably a big shift for you too, like going from, I'm part of a huge team, I'm leading a big team, we're doing big things. And now I'm just at home, you know, by myself. Oh, yeah. What do I, I don't know what to do with myself. Yeah, so. Yeah, where do I go? Uh, where do I go on Monday morning? That's right. I go into Panera, yeah. I guess, right. sit here. Exactly. Yes, right. exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I felt it coming into the new year because, you know, you had a, I took a couple weeks off between week before Christmas. I was like, I couldn't believe it. I, I didn't, I don't have anything to do for Christmas services. Right, this right. is crazy. Yeah. I'm not doing like eight <laughs> Christmas services. I'm sure you had that. Yeah, yeah. And then the week between New Year's and then a couple days after New Year's. And so whatever the Monday or Tuesday, that was like the first Monday or Tuesday of the year, I had this like significant feeling. I, I just felt lost. Uh-huh. And I, w- I actually went on a date with my wife that night and she's like, how's the... I asked her, I was like, how's the beginning of the year for you? And she was, that's great. How's the beginning of the year for you? And I was like, I feel lost. Uh-huh. I feel, and, and I use the term, I don't feel anchored to anything. Oh, right, And that's sure. probably one of the hard things about working for yourself that, and, and I guess to people listening that work for, a, that if you're working for your church, so I would just yeah. encourage you to soak that up. That's one of the blessings of working for a church is this yeah, yeah. big mission the people, the camaraderie that you have, that you're working alongside. Right, right. Sometimes the daily grind causes us to miss that or forget that or take that for granted. And I would just right. encourage anyone listening, soak soak that up and yeah. cher- cherish those moments. What did, the, what did Luke say about Mary that, and Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a, it's a really healthy practice to do. Yeah. Um, when we're in the middle of a season like that. And I think too, the looking at how the church works, whether it's people are involved, so it's not perfect, but it is the way God designed the body of Christ to work, that your gifts and my gifts and everyone's gifts work together and we were pushing in the same direction on something and it has the potential to be the most beautiful thing in the world. And I think, like you said, I think it's so much easier to say, this is just too hard, or I don't like that person, or mm-hmm. just see all the things that aren't great about it. But for some reason, this God had this in mind. Yeah, so I love that. Just don't take it for granted. Yeah, and I know this has been a really hard season for so many production people. On the positive side, I feel like production people can get a job anywhere. <laughs> Our church is looking for a Always. dozen. I feel like the open <laughs> jobs, it is, cra- and every church yeah. I talk to, it's the same thing. Yeah. Uh, so that would be uh, northpoint.org. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Go yeah, search seriously. their job board. <laughs> oh, nice. Oh, man, this has really been uh, fun to, to chat today, get to know you, and thanks for going with the flow here on this uh, this topic. This was great to just talk about when to stay or leave, which is really not the question. And I'm uh, looking forward to getting to hang out a little bit at the Philo Conference and then for people to hear your side of the 
I love the just the title of the book, even how to lead when you're not in charge. That's where we're all sitting. So yeah, I'm excited. Oh, well, I it's what did, what's that line in Harry Potter that Harry did not choose his wand, the wand chose him. Yes. That's the way I feel about this topic. <laughs> I, I wrote the book. It was such a personal exploration of my uh, own journey of trying to figure out I want to lead to the best of my ability. Mm-hmm. Is it possible to do that without being in charge? Yeah. And and, and I, I, I unfortunately where I learned it the most was getting a promotion. I remember getting this significant promotion thinking, mm-hmm. oh, now, now I've got a yeah. bigger job. <laughs> now I can really lead. And then yeah. it just continues. I'm like, yeah. now I have different bosses and yeah. I still and, and <laughs> so it was really the dismantling of authority. Not 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 dismantling of authority as in I don't want it or I don't believe in it because right. I deeply believe in authority, but it was the dismantling of the idea that leadership is authority. Right. And right. that that's what I'm most excited about talking about at Philo is the position that production people are in. It is one of the most influential ripe for impact positions mm. in the entire church. And just because you're not maybe the service programming director or the creative director or the director of the Sunday services or the lead pastor or the senior pastor mm-hmm. doesn't mean that you can't make a significant impact and find significant fulfillment as well, playing the role that you have to play in the seat that you're currently in. Yeah. So I love talking about it and I'm very excited about talking about it. Yeah. In Chicago. Yeah, Chicago. Yeah, can't wait. May 10th and 11th for those of you listening. Awesome. So yeah, thanks again for making time. And yeah, see yeah, you thanks, in a Todd. couple months. Face to face. See ya. That's right. <laughs> One, two, three, four. As I said before, that didn't really follow the script I had in mind. But as we got to talking, it seemed like we had so much in common that I followed that winding path. And hopefully there was something in there for each of you who were listening. It was such a good reminder for me that whether I should stay somewhere or leave wasn't really the question I ended up answering. There was always a deeper question that God was calling me to ask myself and him. And if you're wondering what's next for you, maybe consider joining a cohort the next time they come around. You could sign up to the waiting list and be informed before the general public when the next cohort gets released. Or maybe it's time for one-on-one coaching to take your leadership to the next level where you are. I personally have a leadership coach and I can't really imagine how I would function without one now. I've lost track of how many times it has helped to get wisdom from someone with a different perspective or someone who is further down a similar road to my situation. You can go to file.org coaching to check out both the cohorts and the one-on-one coaching options. Both are really great for just processing stuff with someone else. I'm so excited for Clay to be a part of the Philo Conference this year and his book, How to Lead When You're Not in Charge, as the topic of his main session talk. Uh, When I read the book, I couldn't stop thinking about how helpful this would have been for me back when I first started. Not only would I recommend you come to Philo this year to hear Clay in person, but grab his book while you're there. It's full of some amazing perspectives and resources to learn how to lead when you aren't in charge. And don't forget, you can use the code PODCAST10 to grab that sweet discount on any type of ticket at philo.org. You can follow us on social media at Philo Community on Facebook and Instagram and at Philo Conference on Twitter. Consider clicking on join the community on philo.org or subscribing to this podcast to stay up to date with all things Philo. All right, until the next podcast, see you next time.